Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Well, all right, we've had a really uh, incredible week so far <laughs> this week. We've, we've, uh, uh, I know college had a college night in here. It's just been like worship time. Uh, we had a men's retreat that we just had a blast doing. Had J.D. Griffin up from Austin. Hey, J.D., if you're watching, I think he's going to be watching. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but it was great, man. He just challenged the guys. We had great guy worship. You know, guy worship is like, you know, it's, it's awesome. And... Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go into everything that happened this weekend. Um, there's been enough said. I know we have a lot of morning uh, Baylor Bears in the room, so it was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and I have a degree from Baylor, but that was pretty cool. I'm a frog here in Fort Worth. So, uh, um, Lord, help me transition. I got a lot to say today. <laughs> Open your Bibles if you would to Ephesians. We're in a series right now on Ephesians called One New Humanity, and I think the Lord's really been meeting us and stirring us and envisioning us, empowering us to believe for more. Ephesians 4, 17 through 520, and if you're a math whiz, you're going to go, wow, that's a lot of verses. It is, and so the way to think about this passage, this, this message today, is like, you know, when you open up Google Maps, and you can like zoom in and keep zooming in right over your house. That's not kind of what we're doing today. It's going to be more like you're zooming back out over your neighborhood or you're part of the, the Tarrant County or Fort Worth, maybe even DFW today. It's a woo, we're, we're doing a flyover. And, but I think the Lord has something in it for everybody. Nobody remains untouched by what we're going to be talking about today because it's all of these ethical considerations for living out one new humanity together. And so it touches all of us. There's, just go ahead and say, this is about all of us. Look to turn, turn to somebody, say, this is about all of us. About all of us, yes, absolutely. And so the thing is, when we start talking about, we read passages that say, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. It's really imperative that we go back to the indicative things that have already been said about God, about his love for us, about how he cares for us, about how his plan was to love us and choose us and adopt us before creation ever happened. That is the basis for security as we want to start walking this out because we are so tempted to kick into performance mode or to kick into religious mode or kick into it just make it look good on the outside when the Lord is wanting to transform us individually and us corporately all together. So it's just, it's huge to get that. So again, remember the story, remember the love, remember the invitation that God's given us, that we are predestined from before the creation of the world for adoption to be sons and daughters in the family of God. We've been given grace, lavished grace, forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's, that's us. That's our identity, man. It's just like incredible, good, good, good news. And God's got a plan to bring everything in heaven and on earth to unite it under the headship of Jesus Christ. 
And he's given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing our redemption. You know, all of that stuff. We're one body together under his headship. And that's how we experience the fullness of Jesus Christ. It's together. It's together. It's together. It's together. And even when we were dead and crushed under the pressure of the devil and our flesh and the world system, but God met us in the middle of our darkness. This is such good news. He did something that you could never do, that we could never do. God's done it. That's what he's done. It's going to take coming ages for us to get the, the kindness of his grace expressed to, to us in, in Christ Jesus. It just, this is what he's done for us. Wow. Like, for ages, we're just going to be going, wow, God. And so all of this is ours. Everything that we've been talking about in this passage, we're just that we were hostile. We were separated from each other. But Jesus Christ in his body has brought an end to the hostility and made us alive to be one new humanity together. Doesn't that help to frame the passage, to frame what we're about to talk? It helps to frame it under the love of God. I heard somebody say, it was maybe Todd and Jackie were telling me that uh, they'd watched this English theologian who said that you can't grow in God outside of the love of God. Like you, you can't, we can't grow outside of knowing that we're loved by God. Like that's the fountainhead of our very existence is that we're loved, children. So you just... You may think I talk about it too much, but I don't. It's bigger. It's more than. It's much more infinitely more than I have the eloquence to describe God's love for us. He, he loves us. We're little children. And as much as we consider and conceive of ourselves as, you know, Joe and Lisa being able to love their kids, you know, God loves us more. And, oh, Lord, help us. If we can conceive that we love our kids more than we think the Father loves us. Uh, didn't that help just correct and calibrate and realign and get things straight? He loves us so much more. And I'm just, I feel like I'm, you know, just trying to say, Lord, help us to get this. Help us to see your love for us as we talk about how we actually are trying to live together. We want to grow, be the body grow to maturity, live in unity, all of these things. It's, it's the love of God, the story of God, and the invitation of God for us to actually live this out. And part of this thing is a, it's a vision of life together as the new, humani the, the new humanity together. But we're in a battle. Somebody say amen. We're in a battle. Yeah, we're in a battle it just between light and darkness, and no one has arrived, not one of us. I haven't arrived. I, I amaze myself sometimes with the stupid kinds of things that I do. Any, anybody else? Just, Lord, really? I had that thought. I can't believe, ah, it's frustrating. I wish I was already fully sanctified, but I'm still on a journey. And we are sharpened by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. We are sharpened by each other. We're encouraged when we hear testimonies. Man, Grace, I don't know where you're at, but thank you for sharing. Just super encouraged my heart in this battle that we're in. And what we're coming to today in this passage is a lot of tension places. Because there's a lot of tension places in the journey. There's tension between having a soft heart and having a hard heart. It, it, I'm, 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 gravity runs toward hard heart, but the Holy Spirit's leading me to a soft heart. 
You know, there's tension between my old life and my new life, between my old thinking and my new thinking, between unkind words and words that are just helpful for building others up. There's tension between, uh, there's tension between uh, being bitter and then forgiving. There's tension between being impure and purity. There's tension between not loving and loving. There's tension between being unforgiving and forgiving. There's tension between darkness and light. There's tension between being asleep and being awake. There's tension between being filled with whatever, the wine, the things that are just distracting us and pulling us down and cheapening life between that and being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. There's tension between being ungrateful and being grateful and thankful and unworshipful and worshipful. All that's in this passage. And so there's these tensions there. And God, the main thing, is that he's calling us to live out the relational truth of our calling as one new humanity together. So we're continuing to look at what we looked at last week. Live worthy. That The fulcrum is worthy, axios. Live worthy of the calling that you've received. Live it out. Live, let there be a balance between what you've been called to and actually how you live, how we live together. So if you would stand up and just breathe. Let's acknowledge the presence of God. We love you, Lord. Amen. Okay. Just as always, as we read this passage, be listening to the Lord. What's just something for you? What's the Lord highlighting? Maybe several things. I think by the time we're done, there'll be several things. Be looking for the top two or three. Just what's the Lord highlighting? What's he calling you to? And let's be alert and attentive to the Holy Spirit as the word of God is read. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught... With regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those who are in need. And do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may be of benefit to those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, 
forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for, up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now... You are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Y'all have a seat. I was smiling in there. I was mixing in a little NIV 84 with the NIV 2011. I'm learning a new translation in process. Bear with me. So, uh, yeah, one thing I want to hit just right here at the start, you know, is just acknowledging the presence of God and even being aware of the negative space that's in this passage on the nose. The, the, it's like negative space. I heard that phrase from Eugene Peterson this past week. I was reading something he'd written. And negative space, think about it like an artist who's got a canvas in front of him, and he doesn't just paint everything in every single place. You know, he leaves undone parts that actually create light in the painting. So you, it, there's negative space. And for us, think about the negative space. The no's are actually space in our lives where more of God and his artwork, his masterpiece can be crafted in us. Does that make sense? I thought, man, that, that makes sense. So let's think about that as we want to be a beautiful new humanity together moving forward in the grace and beauty of our God. So, so here we go. Um, the first one is to live worthy of the calling. That means, that's what we're doing here, guarding our hearts. First of all, guarding our hearts. And in that first paragraph, uh, and I'll just let you into a little bit of homiletics here, uh, that's the study of preaching, I really thought I was gonna do a one point per paragraph in this this, all these paragraphs, and I was on a roll, 
First paragraph, second paragraph, third paragraph, I realized, <laughs> this is way too much to do in uh, 30 or 40 minutes. So, uh, foreshadowing. Um, but I, I do have, it. the Lord gave me something to shorten it up. So the first one is guarding our hearts. So in that first paragraph there, it's this bit about hardening your hearts, losing all sensitivity. And there is a warning there. And there is a reminder for us to guard our hearts. One of the most important prophetic words I ever got in my life was from a guy named John Paul Jackson. And he told me, he said, Jamie, you're going through this hard thing and it's going to get worse before it gets better. Oh, man, bummer. He said, so the Lord wants you to guard your heart. And I mean, I, that word still to this day is just this important, critical word for me. Guard your hearts. Don't let your hearts get hard. Don't let your hearts get insensitive. And that is especially important for us as one new humanity, that we listen and that we understand each other and we don't let our hearts get hard toward each other. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I, I kind of ran through just some of our ethnic tension in the United States because of all the things that have happened, especially in the African-American world and the, the story of our country. And so sometimes we hear, you know, how much needs to happen and, and we see the mountain in front of us and we want to just go, I can't deal with anymore. And there probably is a place for some boundaries in our life, but we can't let go of this. Yes. We've got to keep, we can't let our hearts get insensitive or hard. We keep pressing on. We keep walking forward in the grace of God. We have all been through traumatic times in this season. Somebody, amen. amen. Right. Every single one of us. And it, it really is, it's, it's trauma for us in the last few years. And we're tempted to shut down. We're tempted to numb our hearts we might even be tempted to throw the breaker and just power down, right? Is it just me? So, but the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're not called to live that kind of life where we harden our hearts, where we become insensitive to one another. We're called by his power to stay engaged. And so that if, if, if you're not getting enough from the Lord in your heart, we have to go deeper. It's a call for us to stay in the place of love and worship. It's a call for us to go deeper with the Lord. He goes on to say, that is not what you learned. You didn't learn that in the way of Christ. That's not the way of truth as it's revealed in Jesus. God has more for us than that. Jesus warns us in Matthew 24, verse 12, that in the last times, people's love in their hearts will grow cold. So Lord, help us. Baptize us again in your love. That's again why I was saying I'm starting with the love stuff and it's, it, it doesn't ever get old because I still need to be baptized every morning. We all do. We do, man. I just, we leak. And so Jesus, even in Revelation chapter two, verse four, he go, he's talking to the Ephesian church that we're reading about right now. And he says, man, you're doing good, but I'm holding this. There's this one thing. You need to repent. You've turned away from your first love. So we want to be a worshiping people, a people that are on fire with love for Jesus, receiving the love of the Father so that we've got something to share. I can't give what is not being poured into my heart. What I'm not receiving in my heart, I can't give. And so, and then I just, I look at all the stuff and I just go, ah, 
I got to numb. I got to turn away. I got to, I get insensitive to it. So it's just, it's huge um, right there. It's just a big, big deal. The Lord is highlighting just in prayer. We've had a few prayer meetings this week where we, the Lord was highlighting imagination. I want to just say we need a cultivated, anointed, envisioned imagination where we use our imagination to think about what God wants to do among the people of God, where we use our imagination saturated in scripture, even just if, if you, if, if you get confused and can't understand everything and theology and all that stuff, read Ephesians a lot. Just keep reading Ephesians. I mean, major in Ephesians. That's what I've done. That's, that's my life story is majoring right there. Because from here, you'll, you'll unpack the rest of the story. It's got the whole thing from before creation to the end. So it's beautiful. And, um, and it shows us how to live together. The creator of heaven and earth wants our hearts soft, guarded, so that we can dream. He doesn't want the power off. <laughs> he wants the power on in our hearts. So that's the first piece. We live worthy. To live worthy of the calling means we guard our hearts. Second piece, living worthy of the calling. That means renewing our minds. Can I get a witness? Verse 20 there is, you know, you, you, you're not in that way of life anymore. You've put off the old. You put on the new. Renew your minds. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. And the point uh, here is that um, there's the old and the new. And we talk about this a lot, but this really is the way that the path forward for us out of bondage and, and um, out of, out of uh, uh, addiction is that, that it's, it's that our old self was crucified with Christ. He included our humanity with him in his body. You know, in being incarnated as a man, he is assumed the humanity, not just white humanity, not just black humanity, not just pick a nation on the earth. He is not just male humanity, but humanity. And we went with him to the cross and we went with him in death and we went with him into new life. So put off the old and put on the new, be made new in the attitude of your minds. And here's the thing. The mind is a battlefield. It's just, this is, I, I don't know about you guys, man, I, this is where the battle's happening. Truth and lies. And it's not like a horror movie. You know, it's not like some scary demonic thing a lot of times. It's much more subtle than that. It's, it's about lies. Are you going to believe a lie or are you going to believe the truth? And so it's absolutely imperative that we keep realigning, keep realigning to truth. I've got an old friend named Steve Backlund. He, he wrote a lot of these little books that are just incredible axiomatic little statements. But this one was called, You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself. And it has a kind of crazy looking guy on the cover. But you, I mean, you re, we, will, we will be crazy if we don't talk to ourselves and speak the truth of God to ourselves in the midst of our crazy, messed up, oppressed by the enemy world system. Remember, deceitful lies come. They appeal to our disordered desires, and then they are normalized in a fallen society. It's just that's what's happening in our world around us, and that's the battle 
that's going on. It's going on in me. And I, don't, I, I haven't found that I've outgrown it. I'm still susceptible to lies. Anybody else? And so this truth thing, it's just absolutely huge. How do we renew our minds? And I'm going to point back to Evagrius, who was a desert father in the fourth century. And um, he wrote down 500 maxims. He went out in the desert. You know, the, the way it was said is this, there's this guy, he's gone out to the desert and he's battling the devil and rumor has it, he's winning. And so what he did was he took things that were coming against him that made him anxious or upset or concerned or worried about the future or made him want to sin. And then he, he looked at those things and then he identified the lie that was underneath them. And then he countered that with the truth of Scripture. So what you do when you're in the battle, you don't just focus on the battle, on the negative. You don't focus on the thing you don't, I don't want to eat those cookies. I don't want to eat those. I don't want to. I don't. What the heck? Let's eat them. I mean, that's what, that's what we do. So we don't fight directly. We fight indirectly with the truth. We speak the truth. We, I, so believe it or not, this is like cutting edge neuroscience. Like, because our, we get habits going in our minds that are a certain negative way. And the cutting edge neuroscience is that you can realign your neuropathways to truth. And so it, I'll just give you an example of this in my own life. When I'm under pressure, I, the, the, the feeling I feel is alone. I feel alone. And I, you, some of you guys that know me know that it doesn't make sense. I'm not saying it makes sense, right? It, it's a lot, you know, and the lie underneath that is that God isn't good or that God isn't with me or God doesn't love me because I somehow, uh, I'll buy into, I'm alone. And so what do I do to fight that? John 14, 20, come on, on that day when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Or Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Or Matthew 28, 20, 18 through 20, you know, I am with you. Lo, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I could go on. Or all those Christ in you passages, you know, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's with me. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He's with me. So that's huge. That's the truth. And that's where I need to go and realign and get my neural pathways aligned in the midst of this battle. And not, that makes sense for an illustration. So, so huge. Okay. So another one. Now you see why I'm, had to speed up. Living worthy of the calling. That means building our relationships, building our relationships. And so that just, I want us to recognize the power of our words and the power of the enemy. That's what's coming in those next few verses there, those next couple of paragraphs. Put off falsehood, speak the truth, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. That's the power of our words. But speak words that are helpful for building others up. And the power of the enemy is don't give the devil a foothold. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. And it's not just anger. It's whatever we're doing that gives the devil a foothold. There's lots of ways that the devil can get a place to kind of work in our lives and got a little place, maybe sometimes a foothold. And when we've done it over time, it's more like a, you know, he's got a place to stand and work and feel comfortable in our lives because we're giving, giving him that place in our lives. 
So in building relationships, words and the enemy is working always to divide us, to separate us, to make us hostile toward one another. Whenever you hear an accusing thought about someone else, know that the devil's very close. He is the accuser of the brethren. That's what his name is. The, the Satan is the accuser of the brothers. And so if he gets a foothold, he will offer you the bait of bitterness. Here, try some of this. And when we take the bait of uh, bitterness, then it just sets us on a path. It's like a, the, the trap is set. And then we move to anger and we move to rage and we move to brawling, and we move to malice, which is the intent to do evil. And there really is a progression there. And I always struggled years ago when I started preaching this passage. I was like brawling. I just I've never, I've never been in. I've just never been in a brawl. You know, like I, I think a West Side Story. Just a couple gangs. You know, gonna gonna have a have a brawl. It's older people understand that's a play from a long time ago where these gangs were. They're singing as they come to have a fight. I've never been in a brawl. And I didn't totally understand that until the internet made Facebook and comment sections and Instagram. And then I understood what a brawl is. Read the comments. Like it's a gang fight. It helps to just, just let a little bit of tension off. Lord, help us. Don't be brawlers. Don't, don't let bitterness creep into your heart. Don't do rage and anger. Because when malice comes, the intent to do evil, it doesn't have to be, a, it leads to murder. And it's, murder doesn't have to be physical murder. It's with our words. You know, where there's hatred, it's the same as, as murder. That's what Jesus says. So very important. Here's the way forward then. In chapter 4, verse 32, instead, be kind and compassionate to one another. I, we could just stay there, man. Lord, help us. Help us to be kind to one another. Be compassionate to one another. Forgiving just as Christ forgave us. Again, you know, there's, that's the qualifier. How do you forgive just like Jesus forgave you? And is there, is there a limit on his forgiveness to you? And then there's no limit. I just, I, one of the most poisonous, like talk about the poison of the devil, just drinking it down is I'm not ready to forgive yet. Or I'm in charge. I get to decide on who gets forgiven. Or they haven't done enough. Or they haven't, you know. And that's a hard word. But it's the poison of the devil to not realize that I can't run the race and hold on to unforgiveness. It just, it won't, I can't do it. So kind, compassionate, forgiving, loving, follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice. <sighs> okay, so what I want to do now, and I think this is, from the Lord, just as a way to get through these other pat verses, is I want us to just pause and let our imagination come alive as we think about these next few verses. Lord, would you just help us to see this, 
to see this kind of life together as one new humanity, to see your love for us. We're, we're never, we're never outside of your love. Nothing can separate us. Not height or depth, angels or demons, not even death itself. Nothing can separate us from your love. So Lord, help us as we walk through this to, to imagine, to, to dream about what could be. And that's the third, fourth thing there is to imagine this life together. Just imagine life together without sexual immorality where we don't use one another for what we can get, but where we lay our lives down in covenant relationship of love between a man and woman for life, serving one another with agape, the love of Christ. Imagine that kind of life. Imagine a life together with, of purity. Imagine a life together where we're not living greedy lives. Imagine a life together where there's, there's no partnership with darkness, where we just don't partner with darkness at all, you know, where we're, where we're alive to the things that, that help us experience the love of God and not God's anger. And I just, I want to just say this about the wrath of God. You don't make wrath something that's disconnected from the fatherhood of God. So he loves us infinitely as a father, and there's different ways. I've been angry with my kids before, you know, but, but I'm not going to let go of them, you know, and I'm not going to abuse them. And sometimes they have to make their own decisions. Maybe that's what it looks like some, you know, and maybe sometimes it's just a big giant no with an exclamation point. No, don't run out in the street in front of the car. It's going to hurt you. You know, and so we're imagining this kind of life where we're not in darkness anymore. And I, I, I do want to just say darkness is like, you know, the things that we're most ashamed of, we didn't do them in the light. I, I, at least for me, the things I'm most ashamed of, it wasn't like at life group, unless you got a problem with words and you jumped on somebody. Not that that's ever happened in our beautiful church. <laughs> but but the, the stuff we're really ashamed of, it's like in darkness by ourselves or with somebody we shouldn't have been with and all that kind of stuff, right? So imagine a life lived in the light, a life lived as l children of light, because that's what we are, righteousness, truth, that kind of grace in our lives, living that kind of life in the light uh, where we wake up. Imagine a life woken up, awake to the Lord Jesus. And I said this a couple weeks ago, but how many days do you wake up in, in a normal year? Well, it depends on if it's leap year or not, right? <laughs> Straight up, you wake up every day, and unless you're just really sick or in a coma or something. So, so we wake up every day, and we as a body need to wake up every day. Like we need to wake up, not just I got saved when I was 12 or 20 or whatever, and I woke up back then. We need to wake up every day as the people of God, with the presence of God, the glory of God, and, and awake 
to Jesus. Let him shine on us. That's using our imagination. Using our imagination. What if? What if? What if we were uh, uh, making the most of every opportunity and living wise lives filled with the Spirit where we seek and know the will of God? Uh, imagine living life together where we make music to the, the Lord in our hearts, where we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, where that's a part of our vocabulary. And thanksgiving is the accent of the way we talk to one another. Just thanksgiving, thanksgiving, thanksgiving. And not cynical, not complaining all the time, but marked by thanksgiving. Even through the trials, and even through the stuff, imagine what that would be like to live life with those kinds of people. That's what, that's what this is about that we would live that way. Lord, help us. And this whole section I've just been doing the imagination thing on, it's about love and it's about worship. And if I've ever, just in this season of my life, I don't know that I've been, I'm always grateful for the church, but I'm more grateful now. It's just because I'm in this moment now, I'm more grateful for the church now than ever. Being with the men on Friday night, being with the, the gospel choir up here last night. I mean, we had an incredible night of worship, just all the different ethnicities in the room. It's like this place really is turning into a river of God's love, a river of the life of God. And we're getting to see that unfold before our eyes, living life together as one new humanity. This is the way that we're called to live life together. We are an alternative society. And I wanted to, to get that in our minds, that that we're, we're an alternative to the world around us. We're a colony of heaven that's been transplanted. We're citizens of there, but we're representing our Lord here. And we're living out his way of living and doing life and love. Uh, it's in the here and now. Stanley Hauerwas said, I got this quote the other day, the first task of the church is not to make the world more just, but to make the world the world. I mean, just think about that. It's, he's not saying that we don't work for justice. We do. But the first point is that we're a distinct people. And if we aren't distinct as a people, we don't get to bear witness to Jesus in the world. It's just other voices in the cacophony of all that's happening out there if we aren't under the lordship of Jesus living this life together. So it's, it's a... It's yes, we're having influence, but if we can't be distinct, this is the call on us to be a distinct people of God. We are the ecclesia. That means the called out ones who represent the kingdom of heaven right here and right now on planet earth. Just, oh man, it's huge. And so we want to live worthy of our calling, of our distinct life calling in our hearts and in our minds and in our words and in our forgiveness and in our love, all of these, and the way we walk in purity, the way we walk awake, all of this is just so huge, man. Our life in him together, I, I'll just pause here. I'm almost done. But I just, we have so much reason to hope. Yes, we're going through a, a hard chapter, maybe the hardest chapter in a generation, but we have reason to hope. We have so many reasons to hope in God. I mean, just we are standing with everyone who's gone before us. They're alive to God now and they're cheering us on. The great cloud of witnesses. They're, they're, we're standing with them and you know what? We win in the end. 
We are the kingdom people under the reign of King Jesus who will rule and reign with him forever. We have reason to we have reason to hope, man. It's so good. Like the church is okay. Right? The church around the world is okay. Even if it's hard for us to see it here sometimes, the church is okay in Iran. The church is okay in Africa. The church is doing great in South America and Asia. And yes, we're in a, we're in a window here, but the Lord's going to lead us through it. There's hope, brothers and sisters. I, I've told you, I've made this commitment. I'm going to preach hope week after week after week after week after week because we need it week after week after week after week. And it's in that hope and that assurance of the love of God and the grace of God and the peace of God that we learn together to love, to honor, to listen to one another in all of our differences, to stand in the power of the Spirit together, to abide in His life together, to have this vision, this imagination that's shaping us and renewing us, renewing our minds, giving us hope for the days ahead, helping us to have courage to stand where we need to stand in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to heal Lord, help us to walk in your power. Lord, help us to be renewed in our minds, and our hearts, and our lives. Help us to wake up to you every single day and live a life of love and worship together. You guys stand up. Aaron, team, come on up. Yeah. I know that's a lot today. But this is what we're called to, brothers and sisters. It's what we're called to. Hearts and minds, words, lives. And, you know, I'm really serious. I, this is one of those messages where everybody needs prayer. I, I need prayer. Everybody needs prayer. And so I'm just going to challenge you to pick, pick something. I mean, the ministry team, go ahead and come on up. And just pick one of these areas to respond to the Lord. Is this something that the Lord's just touched in your heart today? How do you need to respond to him? There's grace. You're covered in his love. He, he loves you. He, he wants you to live for him with all, with all that you are, with a soft heart, with a renewed mind, with kind words, compassionate words, forgiving, loving, healing, being that force in the world of of representing heaven right here. So Lord, I just ask that you'd speak to us right now. Yeah, Lord, just revival, breakthrough. It happens in moments just like this. It, it happens just right now. It's not some other time. It's not somebody else that needs to change. It's us. Lord, start with us. Antioch, Fort Worth. Everybody that's visiting Lord, somebody needs you, I pray for the grace to respond to you for the first time, to say, Jesus, you are the Lord. And uh, Lord, we want to be changed. All of these things. We need purity in our lives. Lord, bring it. Help us. Where we need the battle between truth and lies. Lord, help us to, to bring it today, to, to renounce lies and to embrace the truth in the name of Jesus. Where we need to wake up, Lord, help us to wake up. Where we need to turn to worship and to love, help us to turn 
today in the name of Jesus. If there's a place where the enemy has a foothold in your life, man, don't leave without getting prayer about that. Just pray with somebody. And if the front fills up, let's just, let's just turn to somebody that you came with. Man, it'd be awesome if every single person could have somebody pray with them today. Lord, meet us right here. Release the power of your life and presence. Whatever the need is, don't leave without getting prayer about that in the name of Jesus. He is available. There's an invitation. He loves you. He wants you in his story right in the middle of it. He wants to bring healing in life. Let's meet him as he's reaching out and opening his arms today. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all come. Lord, bring the breakthrough. Bring the hope. Every reason to hope. Every reason to move forward in grace. Thank you, Lord. It's a new day. It's a new day. Thank you, Lord. Who needs the new day? Amen. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Father. We thank you that you love us so much.